0: You're listening to the Ignite Sessions podcast, hosted by Virginia Tech Chi Alpha. Our hope for this podcast is to encourage listeners to pursue God's kingdom and His righteousness. We hope you're blessed by today's episode.
1: All right, all right. Let's find a seat. Thank you guys for coming out this evening. Awesome. Well, we have... Man we've had a we've had a blast this semester. I can't believe that we're we all we're already well over halfway. Can you believe that? Man, time just flies when you're having fun. Right? Tonight I am not going to bring the word tonight, but we have a special staff member who's going to come and share And I just, one thing that I I love about, or it's Hannah Mortimer. Can you give it up? Just go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Before she comes, let me just say a couple things about her. I still remember when she was a student, and she might have been the hungriest student I have ever met for, like, an encounter with God. She would come. Like after every service, she would come always looking for Michelle and I, could you pray for me? Could you pray for me? Could you pray for me? Because she just wanted an encounter with the Lord. She was the same way about seeing the, the Holy Spirit empower her life. She desperately wanted God to move in and through her life and to receive all the glory and honor for it. And what's amazing is in that hunger, God has met her in that place And she has continued to be used by God in in the gift of healing, prophecy. She's an evangelist. And one of my favorite things that I love about Hannah is she walks with an unbelievable confidence in her father. When she steps into the room, you know she knows who she is because her identity is solidified in the King of Kings. And it's just marked her life. And so we're just so excited to have Hannah. Now you guys don't know this, but she after she graduated, she was in her first ever internship class. And the fact that she survived was a miracle of the Lord. You know what I'm saying? Because we didn't even know what we were doing as we were raising up interns in a first internship class. She was like, I'll volunteer to be a guinea pig, I'll do it. And and she survived. So we're so grateful. But not only that, she then served on staff for three years and then she went and got married. And we're not going to hear, you guys have already, you guys have already met Alex, but the day that I met Alex, I was like, God's real, because there couldn't be a better perfect match for Hannah. And (laughs) I was like, those are moments that are just convincing for me. I'm like, okay, God totally did this. And uh, not that I needed proof, I was already a believer, but you know what I'm saying, and so we're just so honored that they have felt called by God to come back, and Hannah jumped back on our staff team after, gosh, was it a year and a half, two years away? And a year and a half away. Um, and, uh, and then was, we're so blessed because now we get Alex as well. And so so could, uh, could we just give it up for Hannah as she comes to bring the word? Come on, you can get louder than that.
0: Hello, how are we doing? Good, good. Hold on, I gotta get situated. Um, awesome, thank you, guys. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, it's also an honor to be back. Just like Anthony said, you know, I encountered Jesus in this ministry. Um, I was a prodigal, um, and Chi Alpha very much so was was the father's uh, open arms, welcoming back home. This was the father's arms right here in this room. Is where it started um, for me and. Um, I'm just so grateful that I had the opportunity to grow up in God here. Um, I, think, I think looking back on my college years, you have no idea, like no idea how blessed you are. Like this, this isn't normal. Like what you get here doesn't happen at every university. Um, and the more that the, after I graduated, the more that years go by, even on my staff team, you know, I, as I encountered and met students at other universities, like what we have here is so special. Um, and I'm just really grateful for Anthony and Michelle, and the internship was awesome. You should do it. <laughs> um, and so I'm grateful to be back and also meet so many of you of your faces. It's amazing how much changes when you've been gone like a like a year and a half. You come back after COVID, and all of a sudden, like there's all these new faces, and nobody's wearing skinny jeans. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I'm like, I can't afford this new fashion trend. <laughs> so, um, but I'm going to pray because I need help. <laughs> um, so Jesus, um, sometimes I don't even know what to pray except help. God, we just say help, Jesus. We say we, we need you desperately, God. We don't, we don't need another word from man. God, we, we need a word from you. God we're we're hungry to touch your heart God not my heart God we're we're hungry to to understand your heart God we want to we want to touch the the hem of your garment God tonight we want to meet with you in your throne room God we we invite you to do whatever you want to do God to correct us rebuke us and encourage us God um we're we're desperate for for a touch from you god we say that whatever you find beautiful and pure and lovely god we we're inviting you to do it in us god we say we want that in jesus name amen so in high school and in college Um, my uh, cross-country coach, Coach Banks, he was a retired military sergeant. He would always drill me about my running form. There I am. I'm dying. (laughs) Um, But we would do all these running drills to perfect our, our form. It was very, very important because all good runners know that you're only as good as your running form. And your form very much even affects your speed. So when your speed begins to fail you, it's your running form that actually gives you the extra push and that extra strength to get through when you're hitting a wall and, you, and you're and you feeling lethargic. Um, So my track coach would come to me at the very forefront of an event and, and hard practice, and he would say, Hannah, posture is everything. Your running form, it matters. And when the gun would go off, I would have to remember all these things. I would have to remember back straight, lean forward, arms back and forth, not side to side, loosen your grip. Hannah, land on the forefront of your feet, not the back front. Hannah, lengthen your stride. All of this stuff to make sure my running form was perfect. Hannah, posture, is everything posture? Is everything I would hear him say? And what he meant by that is... Hannah, how you run this this race, uh, the the, the stance, the posture you take right at the beginning has some bearing on the way that this race ends up in the end. You have to decide how you want to run, the way you want to run, the posture, the position you want to take right at the beginning because it will affect the results of this race. And I just want to ask you today, man, how is your posture today? How are you running? You know, I think just like we can hit a wall in a physical race, in many factors, can contribute to that, I think we can also hit a role in our spiritual race of faith tonight. And some of us may be coming in here tonight with incorrect posture. You know, you're, you're coming in here lethargic. You, you feel like you can't see the track ahead. You're, you're dying for a drink of water. Some of you might be like, girl, I don't even know if I'm running in the right direction. Some of you might be like, girl, run. Who's she? <laughs> so... But yeah, yeah. But um and I think we've we've learned so much about the fear of the Lord, you know, as as we've been in this series of the fear of God. We've talked a lot. And I think some of you, you know, we've talked a lot about a holy reverence, we've talked about obedience. Um, and some of you may be up in here, and you're like, "Well, Hannah, I, I've I feel like I'm walking in the fear of the Lord. I'm I'm walking in obedience. Man, I go to life group every week. I'm reading my Bible. Um, you know, but but something feels off. So like something's affecting my posture. Something feels weird. I feel distant from God." And I, I can't put my finger on it, you know? And it may be, you know, an addiction killing your posture. You know, it, it, it may be, uh, you know, you're coming in here and it may be suicidal thoughts um, killing your posture. And the amazing thing is the Bible has many amazing spiritual disciplines that it talks about, about how to fix this, how we run issue, about how to fix our posture. Um, but tonight, we're, we're actually just going to talk about one, just one. But I do believe that it's pivotal, and I believe that it affects our entire walk with God and our entire race of faith towards heaven. I believe that it even affects our fear of the Lord as we're in this fear of the Lord series. It will leave us stagnant in our walk with the Lord if we don't fix this or, or make this a daily part of our life. And so today, we're going to talk about repentance, ha <laughs> It's my favorite topic. And I'm not just talking about repentance upon salvation. I'm talking about a healthy diet of repentance, a daily habit of repentance. So first we're going to look at, okay, what is repentance? What what does this mean? Um, So if you'll put up 2 Corinthians 7, 10 through 11, awesome. So like I said, the Bible has an amazing definition of repentance. So 2 Corinthians 7, 10 through 11 It says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you. What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourself, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point, you have proved yourself to be innocent in this matter. So here, Paul is basically saying that true repentance produces an awesome fruit in our life. Um, So a truly repentant heart, it basically, it should produce earnestness where there's apathy, you know, it should produce an an eagerness where there's lethargy, you know, it should produce like a a longing where there's a false satisfaction and, you know, it should produce a readiness where there's like a, a disengagement, you know, um... And so um, I think we often think that the first fruit of repentance in our lives should be a change in our behavior. Um, You know, there's always that one lady at church, because it's it's not true, the first fruit is not a change of behavior, but there's always that one lady at church that's just like, well, don't do it, honey. And I'm just like, well, Sally, I'm trying. You know what I mean? And what Sally (laughs) doesn't understand is I need a change of heart first, um, no, but actually, okay, when we look at this scripture, biblically speaking, it starts in the mind, and it starts in our heart, um, and, overfl- and from the mind shift, that, that heart shift, that mind shift, we see a change in our behavior, and that mind shift is what keeps our behavior from resurfacing. Um, so we're going to look at what some amazing Christian scholars, um, some really smart guys say about repentance, Um, So one Christian scholar, he says, his name is Dan Hayes, he says, repentance, the Greek word metanoia means to change your thinking. Implied is a change of action, a change of direction. It involves forsaking sin. When one repents of his sin, he cannot go on consciously committing it without remorse. Dan Hayes. Another amazing Christian scholar, which many of you have heard, he says, repentance is a discovery of the evil of sin, a mourning that we have committed it, a resolution to forsake it. It is, in fact, a change of mind of a very deep and practical character, which makes the man love what once he hated and hate what once he loved. Charles Spurgeon. Awesome. Um, But do you see how, like, the heart is involved uh, with both of these definitions? I love it. It's a very key part. So now that we're clear about what repentance is, um, it also helps to know what it is not. So what is not repentance? This is where it gets fun. Uh, So repentance is not regret. It is not condemnation. Um, it's not genuine repentance if you're sorry you got caught more rather than sorry you sinned. <laughs> it's not genuine repentance if you're being motivated to change simply because you're embarrassed or or you just feel shame. That's not real repentance at all. Um So I have a great uh, example of a lack of true repentance and how God had to correct me on it. (laughs) Um, And for a long time, my actions didn't change because my heart wasn't wasn't right. I was just more sorry I got caught, honestly, rather than sorry I broke the law. Um, And so for a long time, my actions uh, never changed. And so um, this area of my life for me was speeding. (laughs) Yes, yes, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. Yes, there was a time where I was Little Miss Fast and Furious. Like, you know what I mean? Like, when you look at your GPS and there's, like, the ETA. Like, there was a time where I would look at that ETA, and it was, like, a race. It was, like, back in my racing days again. You know what I mean? I'd be, like, I'd look at the ETA and be, like, challenge accepted. And it would be, like, a dopamine rush. You know what I mean? I'd just be going to the Chi Alpha house. Like... I'm like, <laughs> and it would be the most exciting thing to watch it go down. No, but it's, it's what's sad is, like, I've been stopped, like, so many times. I have a, and I have a perfect driving record. I kept getting away with it. Like, I, it, it's, it's bad. Like, if I were to tell you how many times, gosh, let me just say, it's a blessing that I've lost count because I, I can't, it'd be embarrassing if I could tell you the number. But I, I would say it's, it's over two hands. Like, I've been stopped so many times. Yes, over two hands. Don't judge. <laughs> and, so, and so, but it's to a point. I've been stopped so many times, I even have a routine. Yeah, it's bad and so, okay, I'm going to tell you how it goes, okay, so, I, and I, they have their routine, I have my routine, like, I know the whole police routine, and I know my routine, because, like, honey, we've been there so many times, like, they know me, they know me, like, we've been there, and the cop walks up, good to see you again, Hannah, <laughs> hey, <laughs> Benjamin, <laughs> remember that time I said I wouldn't speed, and then I did, <laughs> let's just laugh it off and call it a day, <laughs> so, um, so, okay, so I'm driving, I'm a Little Miss Fast and Furious, they start following you, if a car is behind you, that doesn't mean they're going to stop you unless they tailgate you, like, they'll get right on your tail end, and it's because they're getting your license plate number, so that if, you're, you know, their sirens go off and you take off, they already have your license plate number, so I know, if, if they're tailgating me, like, on my tail, I'm not about to get pulled over, so... Okay, so the lights go off, and that's when I, I start praying. Don't pretend like you don't do this too, where you're like, oh, my gosh, Lord. Like, I promise if you get me out of this ticket, I promise I'll never speed again. <laughs> like, okay, is that relatable? So anyway, so they pull over, and then when they walk up, I watch them every time. They always touch your car they, all, every time, because they, and they're trained to do that because if that way, if anything happens, their DNA is on your car. I figured it out all on my own. Because, again, I've been there too many times. I've seen them do it too many times. They always touch your car. It's on some purpose. Their DNA is there. So anyway, so in the meantime, while they're walking up, I scoot, like, my, my, like my seat back all the way because I'm trying to look really small, and I have to work really hard because I'm really tall. And then my voice goes up a couple octaves, and, like, my goal is if I can just, like, give off little puppy vibes And they can just look at me and be like, oh, she's just like a little puppy. Like, how can I give her a ticket? You know what I mean? Like, that's just, like, my goal. And so um, he comes up and he says, hi, do you know why I pulled you over today? I say, yes, sir, I'm so sorry. I was, I mean, yes, sir, so sorry, I was speeding. This doesn't sound like that. That's exaggerated. But, um... But they asked for my license and registration. And then I, I wait till they're about to walk away and I go, oh, oh, officer, I don't know if this helps, but I do know that it helps. This is my dad's card. He's an FBI agent. I don't, <laughs> I know. <laughs> and so I give them my card and they say, Nice, nice. And so they go back to their, you know, their vehicle. They do their their little thing. They're looking at your record to make sure you're not a criminal. They're looking at my driving record. I have a perfect record. They just don't know that I've been pulled over like 20 times. So I always tell them I have a perfect record, officer. Anyway, um, so they come back. They say, "Have a good day," and I take off. So I know, I know. I know it's bad. I know. Stop judging, everybody, man. So anyway, for the longest time, again, I kept getting away with it. And for the longest time, every time I would feel so much shame. It was never worth it. Like, it's never worth, like, the anxiety you feel being pulled over. I felt so much shame. And for the longest time I didn't you know I didn't change. I liked being fast and furious. You know what I mean? And anytime I was motivated to change it was just over the embarrassment and the shame of being pulled over. You know, nothing changed. Eventually God had to convict my heart over breaking the law and that's when my actions changed. So I'm here to tell you it has been 3 years since I've been pulled over. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, but I will say this, okay? Okay, I don't speed. okay, we stay within a five mile range, okay, we're we're not that person that goes under the speed limit. Okay, can I just, uh, can someone just like agree with me? Can I get like an applause or a standing ovation? Wait, 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 wait. Kid, do you guys agree that like, okay, like the speed limit is where you start. You don't go underneath that. Okay, can we, can I, yes, 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 yes. Let's start a revolution. Let's start a movement. You don't go under the speed limit. Woo! If you are that person, and you go under the speed limit, and you are in this room, I love you. Jesus loves you. But you are the reason that I have to repent for impatience. Whoo! <laughs> you are God's tool of sanctification. I mean, God bless you. <laughs> Okay, so, but yes, for the longest time, like I said, I wasn't motivated to change uh, because I, you know, because I broke the law, so... um like I said, God had to convict my heart. But we're going to take a look at an amazing example of repentance in the Bible and the fruit of true repentance. And so, um, so where do we see repentance in action in the Bible uh, where we see godly fruit show up? And I think everyone tends to think of David, um, right? He's an amazing hero in the faith that modeled repentance a lot. We often think of the scripture Psalm 51, which is a whole famous psalm. On, um, on repentance, it's, it's amazing. I would encourage you to go study it. Um, and most of us tend to go there when we think of repentance. Um, but today I want to look at a less common passage um, where you wouldn't maybe necessarily see repentance by, by words, but rather by, by actions, where we see it breaking off years of thinking and sin. Um, and so we're going to be in Acts 10 today. Um, so if you'd open your Bibles and, and turn to Acts 10, that would be awesome. And so here um, in Acts 10, uh, Peter, um, he was a disciple of Jesus. He's very overly ambitious. Um, he got in a lot of trouble because he was very zealous. His zeal is amazing. Um, he just had a lot of zeal without wisdom. You know, he was, he was growing just like us all. Um, he was the disciple that we relate to the most because we see I think more than any other disciple we see you know more of his flesh than any other disciple. Um, but he had the opportunity to spend time with, with Jesus personally. I think many of us would kill for that opportunity, you know? And at this point in Peter's life, Jesus had already died. He'd already been resurrected. He'd already ascended into heaven. And so, um, Peter was actively preaching the gospel and making disciples at this time period. Um, but there was still something very wrong in Peter's life at this point, um, he had not allowed the gospel to change his way of thinking when it came to Jews interacting with Gentiles. I know, um, which, Je- which is crazy because Jesus modeled that so much in his ministry over and over again. Um, so Peter, essentially, he was kind of like racist against, against Gentiles. Like he was only preaching to Jews, which was not okay with Jesus, Um, and so Peter still had a mental wall there. So we're gonna see how Christ comes to Peter uh, and brings him to repentance in his life and what happens. So we're gonna read um Acts 10, 9 through 34. So the next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made it ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything, common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. Now, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision—what um, this vision—sorry, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant. Behold, the man who had been sent from Cornelius had many inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, and lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision. The Spirit said to him, "'Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them.' Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, "'Yes, I am he who you seek. For what reason have you come?' And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Then he invited them in and lodged them. On the next day, Peter went away with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And the following day, they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his face and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, "'Stand up, I myself am also a man.'" And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I come without objection. As soon as I was sent for, I ask then, For what reason have you sent for me? So Cornelius said, Four days ago, I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour, I prayed in the house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, "In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality." So, before I explain my my first my first um, takeaway is, repentance brings a change of mind and then a change of of behavior. That is revival. So let's look at Peter, okay? So his mind was changed, um, and we see that his behavior was different when we see the way that he interacted with with Gentiles. But we look at the way that God deals with Peter ever so gently and so lovingly. Like, you know, like it says in Romans 2, 4, it says it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. You know, God deals with him, again, just so lovingly and and rebukes him so gently. He's not like, Peter, you ding-dong. Like, you were one of the 12. How could you have spent so much time with me and still be so out of it? Peter, you racist jerk. He doesn't say that to him. No. He says, Peter, like, don't, don't call unclean what I have called clean, you know? Like, he's so gentle about it, you know? And, and this is amazing because Peter's status at, the, at this point in the Christian church is fairly large, you know? But he was clearly missing it on this issue, Um. And so God gives him uh, a revelation of his sin, he gives him a correction, and he calls him to a response, um, which is clear, concise, and gentle, um, which I love. And so if God dealt this way with his beloved Peter, um, and we as Christ's disciples under the new covenant of the cross can be assured that this is how God deals with us, um, which is amazing. He gives us a revelation of our sin. He says, hey, Hannah, what, what are you doing? Hannah, that, that's not my heart. You know, that's, that's not of me. I don't, I don't like that. Um, and then he gives him a wonderful strategy of how to make it right, which produces a change in behavior. Um, I would say another area of my life where God has, has really had to deal with me um, was a season of my life, you know, um, a season of my life where the Lord had to really deal with my heart. This was a heart sin issue, um, you know, I dream my whole life about my wedding day and about my honeymoon, and then, and then I get to my honeymoon, and it wasn't what I had dreamed. It was it was disappointing. You know, I remember I broke my foot the second day of my honeymoon. Uh, so yes, the second day I was on crutches the the whole rest of my honeymoon. I got COVID on my honeymoon, um, as well. So even that limited things, then I, I get back from my honeymoon and, um, you know, just the, as, as things start to die down, I realize I'm experiencing PTSD from being carjacked at gunpoint. Um, so we're dealing with that. I remember, you know, we were dealing with deaths in the family. I was in a job that I hated. I, I remember, you know, like, um, we said goodbye to, to a really special friend in our life. It was, it was hard. I was, I was disappointed. And, and I remember um, what was even more heartbreaking is, you know, it, it was hard because I'm a girl in my 20s. I still love running. Um, I'm a very active person. And my foot was supposed to heal in six weeks. Um, but because of where I broke it, um, there were there were a lot of healing issues. Where I broke it in a place where there wasn't much blood flow, so it's a very difficult place to heal. So instead of six weeks, it took six months. You can imagine my disappointment. You know, um, you know, I, I just remember having a moment with the Lord where I was crying before the Lord. I was I felt trapped in my own body. It limited a lot of what I could do. It limited a, my range of motion. Um, I felt trapped. You know, and I just remember having this moment where I was sitting before the Lord just in tears. And I was like, man, Lord, I feel like I finally understand what the man by the pool of Bethesda felt like, you know? Just like sitting there waiting to be healed, waiting for his turn, just disappointed when it doesn't come. Just week after week goes by, and you're just disappointed when you think it's your turn and it's not. And I'm just left sitting there saying, Jesus, when's it my turn? Like, when's it my turn? Only this time, I'm afraid you don't show up, you know? And so um, it was just a really, really tough season for me. And I think it was hard because I was left with with shattered dreams because of unmet expectations you know it was a stronghold of disappointment that was beginning to go deeper and deeper and I was angry you know and I think I think some of us have been there I think we can relate you know I think when things don't go the way that you think they should and you dream your whole life about something and then you get there and it's not what you expected it can be disappointed you know it's it's a bit easy to become bitter and get focused on what didn't happen or or what's not there this isn't, this isn't supposed to be how the first six months of being you know you know married is supposed to go these events these things aren't supposed to be there, but they're there. And it was easy to get focused on what didn't happen than, than what happens, you know? And, um, you know, and I think many of us can 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 relate. You know, a lot of us are carrying broken expectations and, and broken dreams. Maybe coming to Virginia Tech wasn't what you expected. You came with, with plans of being an engineer, and it was harder than you expected. Or you came, you know, wanting to do a major, and you realize you didn't like it. And now you're, you're realizing, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I feel lost. Maybe you have. Had perfect expectations of the picture perfect family and you're in a divorced household right now and you're like this isn't what I dreamed of you know maybe you know you you were with a uh, you had a boyfriend or a girlfriend you know and you know you pictured getting engaged and married one day and now you're broken up and you're you're faced with shattered dreams and shattered expectations and it's disappointing. And it's a lot harder than you anticipated. And you can't see the good of what's sitting before you because you're so focused on, 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 on what didn't happen. Is that relatable to anybody, you know? Yeah. And so the Lord really had to speak to me. I remember being with the Lord one day, and I was in Proverbs. And the Lord really highlighted uh, Proverbs 13, 12. And I really had to wrestle with it, you know? Um, Proverbs 13, 12, it says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire realized is the tree of life. Um, hope deferred is, is disappointment, you know, um, and it makes your heart sick. Um, hope, hope deferred, you know, which is disappointment, it's like a thief, and it robs you of a sense of purpose and, and makes it really hard to, to dream with God, you know, um, it blinds you to what God is doing in your life. And you will stay blinded as long as you stay in that disappointment. It's like a cancer. You won't be able to hear the Lord's voice clearly because you're stuck in a pity party of disappointment, you know? And it's not fun to think of it like this, but I'm going to tell you what it is. It's not, it's not fun to think of it like this, but disappointment is, is really what people hide behind who secretly in their heart are blaming God for not being faithful. Sorry, I went there. Um... But it, and again, you may not consciously think that that's what it is, but that's really what it is. Um, and so again, you know, it, but if desire realizes the tree of life, I, I just I think, man, God's eternal purpose is revealed in our life through through His dreams and desires for our life, which is found in this book. You know that that's found on your knees. Um, so I had to start on my knees, you know. I just had to learn that that doesn't mean my dreams and, and my desires, you know. Things aren't always going to go the way that I thought, you know. I think when people are cut under the weight of, of disappointment, you, like I said, you, you choose to, to lose the capacity to dream with God because, like I said, you're so focused on how your dreams didn't turn out the way that you thought they should, you know. Um, and so... Um, Anyway, I just began to sit before the Lord every every single day, you know? People would say, "Well, God's not hearing my prayers. We'll change the way you pray. He's not talking about what, well, you know, he's not talking about what's in my heart. Well, talk to God about what's in his heart. Learn what it means to seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. So I began to tell God what was in his heart because I didn't like what was in my heart. So I would sit before the Lord and I would repent day after day for disappointment. I would walk out my repentance, but I didn't just do that. Like I didn't just sit in my conviction. Like I needed to put action to it. You know what I mean? So I would proclaim who my God is every single day until this thing would get out. I would read scripture and and, and tell God what his heart is like, because I needed to believe it, you know what I mean it 's another thing to know it and another thing for your heart to take root in it. so I would so i 'd repent of disappointment and I would tell God who He is, and day by day I'd watch this thing lose its grip in my life um, and disappointment began to be rooted out, and I began to dream with God again, and it was amazing. But it was a process, man. And honestly, guys, I have to repent every day for different things. I still repent every single day. This, and I have to repent to my husband with what feels like every other day, because I'm an imperfect wife. Um, I'm an imperfect staff member. I've had to repent to staff members. I repent to family, I repent to friends. I, my name is Hannah, Elizabeth Gray Mortimer, and I'm a mess. And I've just given up my image of perfection a long time ago because I know that I'm going to be dead a lot longer than I'm going to be alive. And when I'm standing before God one day, I'm not going to be concerned with what you're thinking. I'm going to be more concerned with what he's thinking. Guys, give up the image of perfection. It's exhausting. Don't do it to yourself. Man, it's how we enter into striving. You can be free from that, man. Make it your goal to live an authentic life, man, It's so much more freeing. Um, One of my favorite quotes is by Bob Sorge. If you can put that one up on the screen. Um, He says, here's some excellent counsel. Become a good repenter. The only way to move forward in God is through repentance. If your pride hinders you from repenting, get over it. You're a mess. You need mercy so bad it's scary. Wise up and master the art of repentance. Call your sin in its worst possible terms. Bob Sorge. Amen. Friends, I have something to say. You won't get well when you're more concerned with looking good than being good. I'm going to say it again. You won't get well when you're more concerned with looking holy rather than becoming holy. Pride is the enemy of true confession and ultimate freedom. You will stay bound as long as you stay bound in your pride. I believe it was John Bradshaw that said, you're only as sick as the secrets that you keep. If you're going to walk free, you must not walk in secrecy. It is a powerful, powerful thing to be open and honest. There is absolutely no healing where there is pretending. You're not going to get healed if you continue to pretend. Absolutely not. Thank you, babe. A soul on (laughs) alignment. A soul in alignment is a soul without secrets. We cannot walk free if we will not repent from sin and bring it into the light with God and with others. And I think I love this because I think there's often this misconception in the church where if like you respond to an altar call or if you repent to friends or you repent to, you know what I mean, to, to mentors that like you look weak or something because you're dealing with with like sin, when actually no, to the Lord, you actually are a mature believer. You look hungry. You know what it says? It says, no, God, I'm more concerned with your thoughts than man's thoughts. I'm not concerned with what my friends are thinking. I'm after your heart. I'm here to get accountability. I'm here to get right with God. I'm more concerned with his plans and his destiny for my life than what everybody else thinks. I'm after you. I'm consumed with you. I want your image, not my image, not what everybody else thinks my image should be. I'm laying down my image at the altar, and I'm giving you my image because I want your image more. It shows hunger, it shows maturity. When you can ha- invite people into accountability and sin in your life, that's actually spiritual maturity. That's how I know this is a wise disciple. You know? They're, they're, they don't care what people are thinking. And I absolutely, absolutely love it. Um, so I, one thing that I really love, um, oh, here it is. Um, well, let me say this too. I do. I do have something to say. While I'm on this track about, about repenting to people and repenting to the Lord and, and man, being more concerned with God's thoughts um, and his plan for you and his heart, I, I just want to say this, man, if you're more concerned with what people are thinking, that you can't respond to an altar call or, or get accountability and repent to a friend and, and, like I said, bring your sin to light with others, then maybe your fear of God is not greater than your fear of man. Friends, that's dangerous. I would search your heart. Man, you need to get that thing out. Repentance shows so much maturity. Let's lay down our image. Man, let's get raw. Let's get authentic, man. My second and final principle uh, slash takeaway tonight is... uh, Um, you know, has to do with with seeing revival in our hearts and and true repentance that brings revival around us. So uh, point number two, repentance. It brings a revival in our own heart, and it brings revival around you. Um, So we're going to pick up and continue to read Acts 10, 44 through 48. Okay, Acts 10, 44 through 48. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision uh, who believed were astonished. As many as, as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, praise God, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. Awesome. So basically, we see the Holy Spirit get dropped like a bomb in this place. And people start speaking in tongues. We see salvation um, because there's been a shift in, in Peter's heart. You know, had he not obeyed and not repented and, and changed his his way of thinking and had this major heart shift, we wouldn't have seen, um, you know, what was the first Gentile conversion of Cornelius, which was absolutely huge. So we see Peter walk out his repentance with a change of heart um, and therefore a change of action, Um it's amazing. One of my favorite books um, is called uh, "Repentance," and it's the the forgotten. It's called "Repentance: The Forgotten Key of Revival," and it's by Jacob Lowry. Um, but it's about revival history um, and how uh, repentance was a, a very, very key component. Um, if you look at revival history, um, there's certain DNA that follows every revival. Um, there's always prayer, um, but there's also always repentance. Um, Repentance is what follows every major revival everywhere you go in history. Um, And so I just want to read you a story about a man named Evan Roberts. He was part of the Welsh Revival. Um, And I'm going to read you a part of this book um, that I kind of copied and pasted. Um, So for many years, Evan Roberts, a 26-year-old, had felt a calling Always a spiritual man, someone who would sometimes stay up all night engaged in deep communion with God. He knew that his life was not meant to be lived down the pits or at the Blacksburg's Forge. Um... On September 29th, 1904, at Moriah Church in Longhorn, he rose to his feet to make four pronouncements. He wanted people to, one, confess their known sins, repentance, to get rid of any doubts they might have about the significance of God in their lives, to obey, three, to obey the Holy Spirit, action, four, to confess publicly, accountability, Uh, their sins but to confess publicly that they would follow Christ. He continued to preach and urge people to join him. By the end of the first week, 60 people had repented their sins and Roberts promptly undertook a whirlwind tour of the Welsh Valleys. At at revivalist meetings in each of the mining towns, Evan Roberts and his brother Dan preached, and a small choir of just five girl singers accompanied them. The movement began to gather real force, and within a year, over 100,000 followers of Jesus had joined the church. That's amazing. Uh, Thanks to Roberts and his party. Quite simply, a, for- a firestorm had hit the churches. Roberts appealed to young and old alike, but particularly to young who were in desperate need of direction in their lives. He gave them fire in their bellies and hope in their hearts. As Evan Roberts and his followers journeyed all over Wales, the effect of his missionary journeys were astonishing. Followers of Jesus suddenly found purpose in their life. Crime rapes dropped wherever he came to preach, and huge numbers of people gave up alcohol. pubs, hotels and inns all over the country reported major losses in trade and the movement spread. In a short while, the whole country was aflame. Every church was stirred to its depths. Strong men were in tears of repentance and women moved with a new fervor. People were overpowered by the spirit as on the day of Pentecost and were counted as drunken men. In the services, they were praying, singing and testifying. It was a church revival turning Christians everywhere into witnesses and evangelists. Soon, cities in England we were holding revivalist meetings and religious fervor even spread across the Atlantic to the United States of America. Amen. Um, no, but Evan Roberts, what I love, this is one of my favorite stories. I, I think Evan Roberts, he preached a message on repentance everywhere he went, and entire cities were transformed by the power of God just from a move of repentance. Lives were changed. God restored hope, God restored dreams in the lives of many. Um, You know, everywhere they went, cities, the crime rates were dropping, and entire cities were were being transformed by the glory of the Lord. The story said religious fervor spread across the Atlantic coast to the United States of America. Friends, if we really want to see a move of God in our life, if you really want to see a move of God around you, if you want to see a move of God in Chi Alpha, if you want to see a move of God in your dorm, if you want to see a move of God on this campus, in this city— then we have got to get serious about repentance. We've got to get serious about it. But, like, dude, we, we got to get honest before the Lord. You know what I mean? It's time to stop covering, up, covering it up. It's time to, to remove the image of perfection. It's exhausting. Man, if that's you in this room, like, aren't you tired? Aren't you exhausted? You don't have to carry that anymore. That's not your burden to carry, but it might look like saying something like this. Yes, God, you're right. I repent. I have an eating disorder. Yes, God, help me, God. Help me to be more consumed with your image than my body. Help me not to starve and starve and starve myself or binge and purge when nobody is looking. Yes, God, you're right, I repent. I have a pornography and masturbation issue. Yes, God, help me, God, to walk out purity. You might have to say that tonight. God, help me to walk out purity. God, I want to invite you in, God. I'm desperate for your heart, God. I need to know your heart, God. I want to be consumed with you, God, not my lust. God, help me, God, to get out of this relationship where I'm walking in sexual immorality with my girlfriend or boyfriend. God, I want to love you more. I want to want you more. I want to desire purity in my life, and I want to wait till marriage now. Yes, God, you're right, God. Help me in the area of pride. God, I desire humility in my life, God. I want your heart, God. I want your wisdom, God. I'm desperate for your presence. Get desperate before God. Guys, it shows hunger. It shows strength. It could be big or little. Maybe you're a leader and you're sitting here and you have to say, man, I can't remember the last time I spent actual time with God. I can't remember the last time I prayed to him and actually meant it. Maybe you need to say, man, I don't even have a heart for the lost. Jesus, help me man, God wants to meet you here tonight. He's hungry to meet you. He's, he's hungry to touch you tonight. It's not weak. It's, it's shows strength, and God will honor your hunger tonight. So I have a few responses tonight. <clears throat> and my first response is if you'd, if you'd like to give your life to Jesus Christ for the very first time, or if you'd like to rededicate your life to Jesus. God loves you just as much in in your sin as in your obedience. And I think that's the beautiful part of the gospel. Before you did ever anything, before you even ever sinned, and even in your sin, God loved you so incredibly much. Paul wrote that Christ died for the ungodly. But rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. But for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5. Guys, the beautiful message of the gospel is though you are deeply flawed, you are way beyond more loved than you will ever, ever know. And it's beautiful. So Jesus died on the cross, though, so that everything you've ever done could be forgiven. You just have to repent of your sin and be willing to change your way of living. Friends, Jesus is the solution we were given the death penalty. Guys, like we were on death row because of our sin. Like my sin killed Jesus. My addictions, my strongholds are what put Jesus on the cross, and I was on death row for it. But Jesus came, and he took my penalty. He lived a righteous life. He 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 didn't deserve it. He lived a perfect life, and a perfect man went to the cross when I was on death row and took my death penalty for me. so that So that, and then he rose from the dead three days later so that I could give my life to him, and that all of my sins could be wiped away but I had to repent and I had to be willing to change my ways. And you might be sitting here saying, well, Hannah, I don't have the strength. I don't know. I've, I've tried so many times. I don't know if I have the strength to, to get out of this addiction or to leave this, this relationship or to change my life. Well, you're right. You don't. You don't have the strength. Come to Christ, and he'll give you the strength to do it. He'll fill you with his resurrection power. He'll fill you with his Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ, he set me free from an eating disorder. He set me free from a drug addiction. Yes, I was a drug addict. And Jesus said, Set me free and he can do that for you god is so good the power of god is here today and he wants to fill you and he wants to change your life and the beautiful part of the gospel is that he didn't just pay a price to get you to heaven he paid a price to get heaven inside of you so it just begins there it just doesn't end when you give your life to jesus he puts heaven inside of you and that empowers your way of living I always say that grace is the divine inspiration of Jesus on your heart with an outward reflection of what he's like. He's going to come in and change here. So if that's you today and you'd like to give your life to Jesus Christ for the first time or you'd like to rededicate your life to Jesus because you realize maybe, man, I'm a Christian, but I realize I haven't been all in, you know, and I want to be all in for Jesus. Man, now is the time to be bold. It's time to lay down your image. It's time to be bold. If that's you and you'd like to to give your life to Jesus or rededicate your life to Jesus, now is the time. You're saying today, man, I want Jesus more. I'm ready to give my life over fully to him. I'm ready for him to be Lord of my life. I'm ready for him to be Lord in every single area of my life. I'm ready to leave my sin Awesome! Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anybody else? Come on, guys. Lay down your image. It's time to give your life to Jesus. If you can't do it here when everybody's going to celebrate you, you're not going to be able to do it out there. Awesome. Is there anybody else that would like to give their life to Jesus? so excited. Welcome to the family. Um, what we're going to do next is I'm actually going to do something different instead of praying all together. If you raise your hand, I want you to go to the back and pray with a staff member. We want to get connected. And if if that if you came and that's your friend, um, friends, I want you to, to walk with your friend at the back to pray with them, with a staff member. And can you grab their hand and go with them? Awesome. Friend, who just gave your life to Jesus? Can you can can you go and get prayer, friend? Can you come with them? Awesome! Yeah, we want to get connected with you. Praise God! So I have two more altar responses for the rest of us. Um, man, praise God! Can we just give another round of a clap? Yeah. Amen. Jesus is amazing. So I think some of us may be in here and we're struggling to repent because we've had some bad experiences um, with authorities in our lives, you know, Um, in the way that we've been corrected. Um, It could be from teachers, it could be from coaches, it could be from parents, you know, it could be from um, brothers, sisters, relatives, and, and we hide from God because it makes us uncomfortable to incorporate repentance uh, regularly. And we we struggle to understand God's love and and gentleness because we haven't seen it modeled very well, you know? Um, And we have some wounds. We've been corrected out of anger and and, and spite. Um, And so some of us have given up on the discipline of repentance just altogether, you know? Um, We've we've gotten lost in in our addiction, and we can't seem to overcome. And we say in our minds, man, like, what's the use of repenting? Nothing's going to change, you know? just believe God is calling us to let go of the past to forgive our imperfect authorities they're they're imperfect too and and that have not properly corrected us and to ask him to help you to run this race with correct posture and repentance tonight but I just want to say this I do want to want to say this you know because I believe that God's going to call you to 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 repent of unforgiveness some of you have had some really really messed up stuff happen to you just want to make it clear that like man like the things that have happened to you like god's not okay with that when you repent of unforgiveness you're not saying what what someone did to you is okay but you're choosing to but but god wants to set you free from from the bitterness you can control your response god wants to set you free from bitterness he wants you to walk free today he wants your heart to to take off the baggage the anger the bitterness that you were never meant to carry. And so I believe God is going to call you to lay down your heart tonight, like David. He wants you to run to Him and enjoy asking for help, and to feel the freedom of allowing God to correct your way of thinking. God wants you to let go of your apathy of repentance because you because you because you believe you'll never get through these addictions or these thought patterns, or or believe uh, the person who offended you will, will, will never get through it either. Tonight we're going to have an opportunity for healing. Um, from our issues, with with why we don't have a healthy diet of repentance in our life. Um, I believe Jesus wants to change our way of thinking in this topic um, and to fix our postures at the altar tonight. Um, My third response is some of us know God has given us a revelation of things that we've done wrong, okay? He's given us, some of you, you're sitting there and you, you know the things that you need to repent and bring to the Lord. I have things I need to repent and bring to the Lord. I don't care that I'm on staff. I'll be the first one up here. Like I said, I gave up my image a long time ago. I don't care about my title. I have things to repent to also. We feel his correction, but we're we're not walking in obedience. Maybe that's you. We refuse to believe obedience is possible and expected. Well, it is. Um, God has done his part and he has given us the helper, the Holy Spirit who's here to help you and he's given us his Holy Spirit to content to help us. We have to make the choice though by the power of the Holy Spirit through our love for Jesus and zeal for his glory to obey. A love for Christ, a passion, a true revelation of the gospel changes behavior and quickens obedience. So we're going to spend some time asking God to help us see what we have, um, anything that we've done wrong, and asking God for the grace we need to obey, to change our mind tonight, to stop blaming God and this person and that person and to simply obey like Peter did and to take ownership. Um, and if we do, I believe that nothing short of revival is gonna happen. but I also want to say this man like the goal isn't that like you'd come to the altar and like and, and like just feel a bunch of shame and like be motivated to change and, and like get accountability but like you know what I mean and just come here and, and blame yourself and just try and hate sin more. no, that's that's not my goal. Friends my, my goal is that you would that you would be more consumed with God. Man, like the reason I I don't cheat on my husband isn't because I hate every other man in here. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't. I'm faithful to my husband because anything that would violate my covenant with my husband is detestable to me. Man, my my dream and my heart for you is that man anything that would violate a relationship with God would be detestable to, to you. That you would come to the altar. That God would 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 put His Holy Spirit inside of you as soon as you repent, and that you would be so consumed with His desires for your life that then when you leave here, you'd put action to it. That you'd throw yourself into, that you throw yourself into the word of God, you'd throw yourself into prayer, and that you would get consumed with him, that you would be utterly obsessed with him, and that anything that would violate your relationship with the Lord would be detestable, and that you would be empowered by his Holy Spirit. So I'm gonna close in prayer, and friends, like the, the altar is open. So, Jesus, we say that we need you. God, we repent of any and all sin in our life, God. God, we say that we need you. God, we need your heart, Jesus. God, we're desperate for for you, God. God, we say, come and fill us, God. We we say, show us again, God, what you're like, Jesus. Show us again what you're like, God. Tell us again, God, what you think of us, God. And whatever that is, God, we want to be that, Jesus. God, we want you in us, God. Less of us, more of you, God. We say we want to be like you, Jesus, but we need your help, God. We say come and have your way in us, Jesus. We love you, God. Thank you for tuning in to the Ignite Sessions podcast. To learn more about Virginia Tech Chi Alpha, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it using the hashtag #TheIgniteSessions. Sessions. We'll see you next time.